to Hope for the Caregiver. I am Peter Roseberger. Glad to have you here on the program here on American Family Radio and all our affiliates across the country. This is the program for you as a family caregiver, for those of you who are willingly, knowingly, voluntarily putting yourself between a vulnerable loved one and even worse disaster. How are you holding up? How are you doing? What's going on with you? This program is designed to help you stay strong and healthy as you care for someone who is not. And we're glad you're with us. Hopefulthecaregiver.com. Just a quick programming note. If you uh, want to be able to be a part of this program, then go out to our Facebook group. It's a private group, Hope for the Caregiver. And just click on join. And we'd love to have you a part of that. You could post whatever thoughts you have. We keep it all there in the group. I don't allow anybody to get weird in there. And we'd love to have you be a part of that. Or you can go out to our website, hopeforthecaregiver.com. There's a form you can fill out. Send me a comment. Whatever you want to talk about, whatever's on your heart. If you want, we'll be glad to talk about it on the program. If you want, we'll be glad to call you from the program if that's something you feel that's important to you. If it's important to you, chances are it's probably important to a lot of other caregivers as well. And that's how we push back against this isolation that, that, that cripples us as caregivers is we talk to each other. We talk about these things. We get it out there. If I'm feeling it, I bet you there's a whole bunch of other caregivers that are feeling it too. And we get stronger listening to other people share how they've wrestled with this and what we can do to incorporate those strategies, those tips, those thoughts, those insights into our life. Hopeforthecaregiver.com, and we'd love to hear from you. This is a special Father's Day program, and I wanted to talk about fathers for a bit. I am greatly blessed. My father is, is still with me. I talk to him multiple times during the week. We talk about everything from world events to theology to all kinds of things and just crazy stuff and laughing at our family. I have a very large family, and I have a, a loving father who I I don't have to look over my shoulder and wonder if he approves of me, wonder if he loves me. That's a great gift, and I am deeply appreciative of what God has done for me in this regards because I don't think I could— have done what I've done had I not had that. With that said, I know that a lot of people don't have that in their life. Their father may be gone, or maybe their father wasn't that source of encouragement to them. And it's very difficult on Father's Day. And I recognize that some are taking care of a father who has impairments but treated them poorly. I recognize that too. And we've talked about this on the program a lot. And it's hard to do that. I remember my father was counseling of God. My dad's a minister. He's a counseling guy, and, and this was young into his ministry. And he said, you know, God is our father. And he said, well, if he's anything like my father, I don't want anything to do with him. And this is the critical place we find ourselves as a society where fathers have dropped the ball. And we're all sinners. We're all broken people. We're going to fall. We're going to make mistakes. But Fatherhood is something that is modeled for us in Scripture, and we see see it through God's modeling of it. We also see pictures of, of wonderful fathers, and then we also see pictures of fathers who really messed up in Scripture. Scripture doesn't gloss over these things. But what can we learn from this? And this was designed by God. It was instilled by God. It is who He is. Jesus, when He taught us to pray, our Father who art in heaven, 
our Father. Scripture, Psalm 103.13, As a father shows compassion to his children, so the Lord shows compassion to those who fear him. And there's, there's Scripture after Scripture after Scripture identifying God as Father. But that's painful for a lot of people because they associate their own Father. I know that for many caregivers who are seeing their fathers decline and diminish, it is painful to watch. The implications of this broken, fallen world we live in are far and wide. But the redemptive work of Christ that was done on the cross penetrates into that and helps us be at peace with all of this. Whether we've had good and loving fathers, or we've had fathers that abandoned us, or we've had fathers that have failed us, regardless of which, none of them are going to measure up to the perfect love of the Father in heaven, which we don't always see and understand clearly. But we trust him because of the redemptive work of Christ. And I'd like to talk about a hymn today in this opening block. I've done it before with Father's Day, and I love this hymn. It's one of my all-time favorite hymns. This is my Father's world. And to my listening ears, all nature sings and round me rings the music of the spheres. This is my Father's world. I rest me in the thought of rocks and trees, of skies and seas, his hand the wonders wrought. I live in Montana, and so I see this displayed so vividly around me. And I can't help but sing this hymn. This is my father's world. The birds their carols raise. The morning light, the lily white, declare their maker's praise. This is my father's world. He shines in all that's fair. In the rustling grass, I hear him pass. He speaks to me everywhere. And let me take a moment to go over to the caregiver keyboard because this third verse is one I want to zero in on. This is my father's world. Oh, let me never forget. Now listen to this right here. That though the wrong seems all so strong. God is the ruler yet. Now listen right here. This is my father's world. right here. Jesus who died shall be satisfied and earth and heaven be one. If you're struggling about some of the things that we've talked about today, particularly at Father's Day, I would ask you to hang on to this third verse. This is my Father's world. Oh, let me never forget that though the wrong Seems off so strong. Listen to this. God is the ruler yet. This is my father's world and the battle is not done. Jesus who died shall be satisfied and earth and heaven be one.
I hope that hymn will be meaningful to you today and throughout this weekend and throughout every day. I'd like to end with a special gift for my father. I played this over Memorial Day, but I'm going to play it again because Dad was a Navy chaplain for many years, and this is the Navy hymn, Eternal Father, Strong to Save. This is Peter Rosenberger. This is Hope for the Caregiver. We'll be back after this break, but I wanted to play this special Father's Day gift to my father. Happy Father's Day, Dad. I love you. message from Hannah's heart. Becoming a dad is a big deal. But it's not always easy. Infertility affects one in eight couples, and it can drain you financially, physically, emotionally, and spiritually. As men, we feel the need to provide for our wives, fix what's hurting, give them children, and protect them. So watching your wife hurt deeply and knowing you have no way to make it stop, it's excruciating. Not to mention, you really want to be called dad. But remember this, our God is the original Father, and we are His children. In the same way that you desire to care for your family, God longs to provide and care for you. In fact, one of His names is Jehovah Jireh, the God who provides. No matter what you're going through, just remember, He is a good Father, and He's got you. Anna's Heart is a program for couples struggling with infertility and miscarriage. Tune in Saturdays at 5 p.m. Central on AFR. Hey, this is Josh from The Afters, and we want you to know that freedom from addiction is possible, and it starts at Adult and Teen Challenge. I couldn't stop drinking. Literally, it was an hourly thing. And I remember thinking, okay, I want to get the kids to bed quickly so I can drink. So I'd be reading to them, but not fully enjoying our time together. It was really stealing my joy and my presence. Being here in Teen Challenge has made all the difference in my recovery because I've completely surrendered to God. To hear my kids say, Mom, you're back, just brings so much joy to my heart. And a future walking in freedom, it's possible. For over 60 years, Adult and Teen Challenge has been providing hope and healing for a new drug-free future through the power of Jesus Christ. They have a variety of programs for men, women, teens, and more in hundreds of centers nationwide. You can find the nearest center at 855 N addiction or teenchallengeusa.org you're listening to american family radio
Welcome back to Hope for the Caregiver. This is Peter Rosenberger. This is the program for you as a family caregiver. We're glad to have you with us. Hopeforthecaregiver.com. That is Sweet Glow of Mercy by Gary Chapman, and I have Gary with me on the line. Joining us for this special Father's Day program, Gary, welcome to the program. Again, it's so great to have you here. Man, thank you. Thanks for having me. I love Father's Day. I love that song, too, by the way. That's a that's a wonderful song. Well, but you wrote that, what, 20-something years ago? Well, I love the way you just completely ignore the calendar. No, that is closer <laughs> to... Closer to 30, brother. Sorry. Oh, man. Well, we, <laughs> age creeps up on us. Well, it is no, Father's no, Day. I wrote that last week. No, it was last week, last, I think. Last... I think yeah. Well, you... That song is, I, I, I remember hearing it for the first time, and I love the, 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 the message of that song, and I think that's a great song to, to launch into a Father's Day conversation, Sweet Glow of Mercy, because I think a lot of us as fathers, as we walk through this journey, uh, mercy becomes a more important word to us as we get a little older and um, see the relationships develop over time in our lives and see what God has done and given us great mercy. So, Tell us a little bit about Father's Day for you, and then I want to get into a, a special story that you have with your dad, but just as for you as a dad, and I think now as a grandfather. Yes, I am a grandfather. I, you know, I had sort of given up hope on that. My kids, uh, uh, you know, at least two of them had, were, were of the mindset after far too much liberal college that they shouldn't consider bringing a, another human being onto this horrible planet, right? But uh, lo and behold, one of them uh, donated a kidney to her best friend three years ago, and uh, it's a long, beautiful story. Father can't get much more proud of somebody that does that. Um, and and she just, I don't know, something shifted. So, yeah, they uh, Penelope came into our lives about uh, four or five months ago. She's a fabulous little human. Um, you know, I've got four kids. I have a 30, uh, now 34 year old son, daughters, uh, 32, I guess almost 30 now and just turned nine. I'm that guy. So, uh, <laughs> my wife and I decided to adopt a little girl nine years ago and, uh, little Eva Rose has, has, has changed our world dramatically in a in all the best ways. Uh, you know, my first three, I think I had it in my head that somehow I was supposed to try to to live life as well as I could, and and hopefully they would mimic the good things that I did, and sort of turn into little little uh, little replicas in some way, be their own person. But you know, I'm supposed to affect them. And this one has turned it all upside down. I, I want to be just like her. When I saw pictures of her rock climbing the other day, and oh yeah, did you yeah, did yeah, you do yeah. it too? You know, uh, Cassie was with her on that outing. I was not there, but but we have done. There's nothing that you can want to do with Eva Rose that she won't do. She is absolutely fearless, which generates tremendous amounts of fear for me but um she's she man i you, you just have to see it to believe it she casually 
I have pictures of Gracie rock climbing. Tell me about oh, stress. Oh, there you go. Yeah. Okay. Well, yeah. So that does put a different perspective on it. Yeah. Legs do help. Uh, it was a, man. It, it was a moment. I promise you. It was a moment. <laughs> so get, hey, get ready because look at me and then recognize this is what's going to happen to you. Don't let this happen to somebody you love. Look, look at me. <laughs> this is what stress does to a human being. Cause you're going to, she's going to be doing more of these kinds of things. And, uh, I think that was great, but I love what you said. She ain't scared of nothing. No, she's not, man. She's just not. She, uh, everywhere that, that, you know, that, that we take her, you know, even just to visit friends and she's out playing in the yard, you know, somebody will be like, oh, oh wait, 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 wait. And I'm like, just, just relax, relax. I guarantee you she's fine. And, and you'll look out and she will have climbed over a, a six foot tall fence. I mean, she, if, when she was two years old, if she could get her fingers over the edge of it, she could get over it. Okay. That has not changed. And, uh, it's, it's, it's pretty funny. But she she never gets hurt. It's bizarre. I mean, it's it's got to be angels on stun because she she or maybe maybe fear is what gets us hurt a lot of times. You know, uh, who knows? But uh, it, it is an amazing thing to live life with her. She's incredible. Well, what what does this day mean to you as you as you think on this? You've you've been. Uh, you and I actually have been fathers about the same time. I have a 34 year old as well. And I, I remember, um, when you guys had Matt and, uh, yeah. Yeah. uh I was, and that was, uh, it seems like a lifetime ago back, back in the eighties. And so, mm -hmm. um, but what is, as you look back of these things and in, in your role as father and now grandfather, what are some thoughts that you have about yourself through this? What, what what's changed with you? You know, uh, being a father changes everything. Um, I I had an amazing dad, uh, which which had the bar so high. Uh, I don't know that I ever got there. You know, but it's it's not a regret, and I don't know that it would be possible. He was just, you know, you you were around him enough to know. I think that he was just a very unique guy, but. Um, I, I tried to, my goal was to be half the man my dad was. And I, and I knew that I would be head and shoulders above most men at that point. But, uh, I don't know that I even got halfway. I don't know, but I, I have learned to, uh, to love, you know, you, you think you, you think you figured out in the sixth grade, you know, when that, the girl with the pigtails walks in and, it's just a lot more than that. <laughs> it's so much more, you know, it has almost nothing to do with romance. Um, it has everything to do with learning to give and to do it without any expectation of receiving anything in return. And, you know, I think it, it's just one more in that ever lengthening list of things. But, you know, the, the longer I live, the clearer things get and I'm, uh, I suspect at that moment of, of, of death the, the, the clarity is astounding and uh, 
you know, you could have just a, it may be the biggest, you know, smack your forehead V8 moment uh, of your life. And you might be so lost in the rapture of it that, that, that you won't hit yourself in the head. I don't know. But I, I do know that, I do know that my kids have brought me closer to being the man that I know God put me here to be than anything else. When you think about your role now as dad and your father and so forth, you know, your, your life, your career was, you know, propelled to amazing heights with a song, Father's Eyes. And mm-hmm. that is, it's kind of been a, um, an overarching part of your life and will always be a part of your life. And, and yet, and I, I remember hearing you sing that, um, many years ago. And, um, you know, it, it, that, that must've been a, um, as you go, do you you ever go back and play it and just sing it yourself? I'm actually about to record it for the first time. I, I, we we don't re- by the way Gary and I do not rehearse this 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 interview <laughs> that just I mean I was no. just thinking about that I was thinking wow that that's wonderful you know I do play it because uh, enough people you know expect me to because it's you know it it was what it was but then I always have to explain it you know because the because it, it was always sung from a female perspective you know the opening line. I may not be every mother's dream for her little girl. People just take that at face value. When I sang it, it was, I may not be the perfect son-in-law. Uh, and, and it was written exactly like that. Nothing was changed when she, when she, uh, when, when Amy cut it initially. Um, so I, and, and I, but I just never did. I never recorded it. There's a few of those songs, uh, that, that I, I do want to revisit at, at some point. Um, but I'm about to start a, a new project. God has just dropped. Oh, man, I cannot wait for you to hear him. But he has dropped. Well, you've heard one of them. I know Gracie's looking at uh, one of them. Yes, you, you've written a song for Gracie. He, he has dropped some tunes on me that are just really, really uh, exciting to me. You know, I'm I'm one of those... I'm one of those crazy people that, that absolutely, at the core of my being, I know that there is about to be a revival on this planet that nobody has ever seen before. And and I want to be up to my eyeballs in it, and they're going to need some music. And I've asked God to, to let me participate, and, and he has, I think, rewarded me with, with some songs. And so I'm... Uh, I'm going to record those, and then I'm going to go. I'm going to go back and record uh, a, a few songs that I think are generational, that that no one that's uh, you know under the age of 25 or so has has heard yet. Uh, I've got a, a great producer, really really good guy, very successful, extremely you know hip, tragically hip, probably in his mid 30s, I would think at this point. And I I reached out to him and said, "Listen, because uh, we've been talking about doing something together for a, a few years, actually." And I said, uh, "I don't want to be twenty. Don't be don't be deceived here, but I but I don't want to do it all myself because it'll sound like I'm sixty five, which I am. So we're gonna we're gonna blend our generations and come up with a new one." 
Well, I think that's marvelous. Gracie, she's been recovering from this surgery. She spent a day one day and she with Alexa, and she just played your catalog. I mean, just going through stuff. And Gracie's like, oh, my goodness, these songs just are so rich. And uh, we look forward to more of them. Well, we're going to talk some more with Gary Chapman in the uh, next segment. Then we got to go to a break. This is Peter Rosenberger. This is Hope for the Caregiver. Hopeforthecaregiver.com. We'll be right back. We've got Christians who love Jesus and they have kids and they're just like, I just don't know what my calling is. Right. Will and Mickey Addison. What is it and that Jesus wants me to do? I feel man. like I'm a teacher. And that's I feel wh- like that's I'm a why, great- That's why when you <laughs> go to the scripture and talk about yeah. equipping the saints for work of ministry, Come on. you should look inside first. It can exactly. mean right, you know, at your address. Marriage, family, and the church. That's the focus of airing the Addisons. Weekday afternoons at 2 Central on American Family Radio. God can use persecution to strengthen the church and individuals within it. Persecution is granted to us. Don't miss this. What an honor to be chosen to follow in the footsteps of Christ, to die like the thief beside him, so that men enslaved to sin can see the gospel written in our flesh and believe. Gain more perspective on persecution with Jordan Shambly's article, The Victorious Persecuted Church, in the Fall 21 issue of Engage Magazine, or visit EngageMagazine.net. It gives an impetus to share your faith when you think you've got answers to objections that you expect people to bring up. The American Family Studios video series, Intro to God's Revelation, featuring Dr. Richard Howe, shows how God has revealed Himself in nature and His Word, and how we can rightly understand what God has said. These truths are just a part and parcel of the Christian life. It isn't just for the professional clergy. Learn the fundamentals of how to approach and understand the Bible in an age of skepticism. This six-week video curriculum is perfect for your Sunday school class or study group, and it can prepare you to give a defense of God's Word and how He speaks to us in nature. Knowing whether and how God communicates is a safeguard against false claims about God communicating. Intro to God's Revelation, DVDs and workbook are available for purchase at afastore.net or call 877-927-4917. Just to put it in his hand There ain't nothing you ought to hold on to Put it in his hand He can take care of that for you Try to understand When you think that there's nothing you can do You can Welcome back to Hope for the Caregiver. This is Peter Rosenberger. That is Gary Chapman with a special guest singing on that with him. Gary uh, was with is with us today. Gary, tell me about that song. You know that song. Uh, that, that's a uh, that's a real special place there. Sorry, I got totally lost in listening to that. That's my my daughter Sarah singing there with me. She's she's incredible. Uh, that song came. Uh, out of, of me putting my dad to bed one night. Um, you know, he had Parkinson's for the last eight years of his life and then uh, cancer for the last two, I guess, just to make it interesting. I don't know. Um, but that cancer attacked the, the 
the sheathing and the, the nerves in his legs. So he 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 went from driving himself to back and forth to Florida one week and back and forth to Texas the next to coming home and the next day not being able to walk. Um, he just called me out of the blue and said, son, can you come downstairs? His, his place is in that house we lived in at the time. It was directly beneath the, the master area. And I was like, yeah, yeah, I'll be right down. And I uh, get down there and said, so what is it? He said, I can't. I can't get up. I can't. I can't move. From my waist down, I got nothing. I'm like, oh, okay. So life literally changed in a day. Um, knowing him, it had been bothering him, and he just didn't say anything. But but he got to a point of being completely incapacitated. So the first, uh, you know, the first year and a half of my life, I'm sure he he put me to bed and changed my diaper, and I got a chance to return the favor. And it was, uh, I, I tell people, it's the it's the best horrible experience I've had so far. Um, we were always very, very close. And uh, and we just got closer. I was putting him to bed one night, and there was, there was a process, right? <laughs> um, yeah. you, know, the, you know what I'm talking about. There's, there's, there's just, you develop a system. So we're, we're going through the, the motions of it all, you know, I got to pull this shoulder back over here and, you know, take this pillow and tuck it between his knees this way. And, you know, there's, there's, there's just, it's got to be right. When you can't, when you can't move, you, you definitely want to start the night right, you know. So I'm going about the process. And the whole time I was doing it, I was just whining about whatever was bugging me that day because let's face it that's generally what's most important to us and i i uh, i have no idea what it was have no recollection of what it was specifically that was bothering me but i was just just whining and uh, it was time to say good night and I, I leaned down and kissed him on the forehead said i love you pop and uh, Turned to go out the door, and my hand hit the light switch, and this voice, you know, Parkinson's had gotten most of it, but just out of the dark, <laughs> he said something to me that probably said, I don't know how many thousands of times in my life, but it just hit me like a brick. Um, he said, son, you've just got to put that in God's hands. And I went upstairs and, and wrote that song. Uh, I got almost totally finished with it, and I played it for a, a good buddy of mine, Hall of Famer, uh, Aaron Barker. Got 12 number one George Strait songs. That's not even fair. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, he he helped me with the second verse, and, uh, and it just means a whole lot to me. That song means a lot. Um, yeah. And I, uh, that's one of them that, you know, that, that, that spins in my head all the time. And, you know, now it's almost instinct uh, for when I get in that spot and I start, you know, uh, focusing too much on whatever it is that's right in front of me that seems to be immovable. Uh, just it, it's like it's like my brain just presses play and that starts playing in my head. And I'm like, oh, yeah, OK. 
Yeah, I'll do that. You know, I've known you for a long time, and I've listened to you play for a long time. That song, to me, when I hear it, it's it's almost one of those songs that when I when when you do it, it it just feels so effortless. It just flows. It just flows out of you. It's it it there's a there's a just a you know best I could describe it as just uh, sitting in a in a raft heading down the river, relaxing. Just put it in his hands. A, put it in his hands. That is a that's a great description. That's a great description. It, it's it's one of the most relaxing songs I've ever heard you perform. <laughs> just just I mean, not it's sure not that you don't have ba- no no you have ballads that are you have ballads that are I, I'm so wrapped in and I'm gonna play one of the next day but I have some that are I'm so engrossed in it it's so intense because you you write from such an intense place a lot of times and then you have you know great rock songs and so forth. But that one is just, it just, I don't know. There's something about that song that is just, I don't know. It, I, I don't have, I, I wish I had better words. And I'm a writer, but I, I wish I had better words to, <laughs> to, 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 to describe that. But it's, it's the, the closest thing I can think of is the Eagles singing Peaceful, Easy Feeling. You know? Oh, that's, and, that's great. That's a, yeah, I'll take that. I mean, you, but you know the same feeling that you get when you hear that and you hear this song, just put it in his hands. And it just, it's ele- it elevates the room to let you just kind of catch your breath a little bit. Put it in his hands. It's going to mm-hmm. be all right. And then to know that your father was saying that to you from the bed when he couldn't move mm-hmm. and it's dark. Yeah. Yeah. Son, put it in his hands. And, you know, I, th- those those are those are incredibly special connections to that and I and I I can tell you that the audience listening today is never going to listen to that song without thinking of that picture of of yeah. of your father yeah. saying put it in his hands and and but that's what God has d- said to us put it in my hands <laughs> I got you yeah. I got you uh, and this is not something you're unfamiliar with is it No no not at all you know that 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 effortlessness that you referenced, you know, with yeah. when, when, when I am having, uh, at, at my best moments, when I know that I'm doing what God wants me to do, his, his burden actually is easy. His yoke is easy. His burden is actually light. It, it is almost effortless when you're in that spot. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm not, I get frustrated that I don't stay there all the time. Uh, this, this this thing called life really gets in my way from time to time, but uh, I love that feeling. I love it when I'm playing. I love it when I'm singing. I love it when I'm well. I don't dance. I'm, I'm tragically white, but um, you know I, you know what I'm talking about when you just. I also suffer from terminal Caucasianness, and yeah, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's a curse. <laughs> I, I, it, people don't want to see me. Do, and Gracie says that I'm Indiana Peter in the tempo of doom. Um, but it's, <laughs> it's uh, you know, but I, I, I've, I've watched her in pain and th- this is what this song makes me think of. I, I, I got it now. This is what, because I've watched her in pain. And when she sings to herself to, to, to kind of transcend the pain, she'll sing tis so sweet to trust in Jesus, but she doesn't sing it. She doesn't, pl- she doesn't sing it kind of, um, like it's been plunked out over the years. She sings it very slow. Jesus, Jesus, how I trust him. You know, and that kind of thing. Yeah. And it just 
settles her soul down. And I think that's what that's what that song does. And I think we we've got to have that. I reference what you said uh, in the last block of, of we've got to have music that's going to carry us through what we're getting ready to face as a country and as a world and as a, as believers. Mm-hmm. That if we don't settle ourselves down, and um, I'm reminded of Paul and Silas in prison, you know, and they're singing hymns after being beaten, and uh, th- that I don't I don't know many people that would do that. Well, I, I know one, I know one who lives with that, and she and she sings when she's when she is just brutalized. I've watched her in the ER and in the I've watched her in the in the ICU and everything do the same thing. But I think that's the model for all of us and. Uh, your songs, a lot of your songs for me do that, that, and, and, and they were doing that for her too. And so I, I don't think I can give you a higher compliment because when you have a woman with what she lives with and she was, like she said, she spent a, a day listening to your catalog. Uh, how many people are doing that? You know, just the whole thing. I mean, she's just playing one after another, just, you know, on Alexa. And, and I was just watching the change over her and she was just singing with them. And, and, and that's, a, that's a tremendous thing that you're offering to people and the fact that you're going to do another record and you're going to put some more stuff down and then that you the song that you sent her that you wrote for her and and i i these are these are wonderful things gary uh and that you're strengthening a lot of people talk a little bit before we go to the break uh talk a little bit more about your dad and we'll and we'll if we got to stop we'll we'll take it into the next segment but tell me a little bit more about your dad and and this weekend and as your thoughts are on him and and uh as you've shared this journey with me before, share it with some folks who may not have heard some of the things that you and your dad experienced. Well, um, as you know, I love a good story, and all the good stories are very long. Uh, but I will, I'll truncate as I can. Um, I think I think you know about the last two weeks of his life. His uh, his I do his gone, and, and by the way, we got. Coming. We only got about a minute and a half, and then we'll go to the next break, and we'll finish it there. But so, yes, yeah, set okay. set up the table of where we are. I'll set it up. I'll set it up. So we were uh, we were just sitting uh, talking one day. He was in, you know, officially uh, headed out the door. He, uh, you know, he he refused any kind of of uh, medication, despite the fact that they give you access to all the best drugs. Unlike his idiot son, he had never ingested anything that altered his consciousness, and it was just too weird for him. He couldn't do it. So I would sit and, and sing the songs that I learned in his church, you know, 50 years previous. And that helped. That did it for him. So we were sitting there one day, and he just left. He absolutely just stopped. And I thought, okay, that's not nearly as dramatic as I thought it was going to be. But I was absolutely convinced that he was that he was dead. I couldn't find a pulse. It didn't seem like he was breathing. And uh, yeah, we'll finish it up after the break. Well, what a cliffhanger! <laughs> that that's that's how you do a cliffhanger. This is Peter Rosenberg. <laughs> this is Hope for the Caregiver. We're talking with Gary Chapman. We'll be right back. Hey, this is Peter Rosenberger. Have you ever helped somebody walk for the first time? 
I've had that privilege many times through our organization, Standing with Hope. When my wife, Gracie, gave up both of her legs following this horrible wreck that she had as a teenager, and she tried to save them for years, and it just wouldn't work out, and finally she relinquished them and thought, wow, this is it. I mean, I don't have any legs anymore. What can God do with that? And then she had this vision for using prosthetic limbs as a means of sharing the gospel, to put legs on our fellow amputees. And that's what we've been doing now since 2005 with Standing With Hope. We work in the West African country of Ghana, and you can be a part of that through supplies, through supporting team members, through supporting the work that we're doing over there. You could designate a limb. There's all kinds of ways that you could be a part of giving the gift that keeps on walking at standingwithhope.com. Would you take a moment to go out to standingwithhope.com and see how you can give They go walking and leaping and praising God. You can be a part of that at standingwithhope.com. Here's Dr. Michael Kruger from the American Family Studios documentary, The God Who Speaks. Every day, people are faced with critical questions about what to believe and how to act and how to think and what things they should accept in culture and what they should reject. Uh, These are very life-centered questions and, and important questions that people want to know the answers to. And If they can't trust the Word of God for the answers to those things, they're going to go other places to get them. And so at stake in the battle for the Bible is the daily life of each individual believer. We want them to have confidence in the Scriptures of the Word of God, that they can turn back to that every day, they can rely on it, they can trust it as a guide. And we want them to be spending time in it, devotionally in the Scriptures, absorbing it, thinking about it. And so if if the church loses its way and loses its trust in the Bible, then the ramifications on the practical day-to-day life of of believers is going to be enormous. Visit thegodwhospeaks.org. There's a treasure at the end of this narrow road I'm traveling and it gives me a purpose for my life back to Hope for the Caregiver. This is Peter Rosenberger. This is the program for you as a family caregiver, hopeforthecaregiver.com. That is Gary Chapman singing my favorite of all the songs he's done. That's the one. And I remember him singing it for the first time back, way back in South Carolina at the Township Auditorium in Columbia, South Carolina. And he and his guitar up there. And I was, once I heard that song, that was, it was it for me. And I am so grateful that he's on the line with me today. We're talking about Father's Day and his dad. And uh, Gary, I just, before we finish up the story, because there was, you left us as a, at, a, at a great cliffhanger, I, I can't thank you enough for that song. That I love that song. And I play it often, this bumper here on this program. And um, it is, it is a, it's a wonderful song, so thank you for that. Uh, tell us, tell us where we were with your dad, because that you did leave us there a little bit hanging. <laughs> hey, it ain't a hobby. Uh, no, the, uh, the the reality of, of his passing was actually starting to settle in on me. You know, we were just sitting there one second, and then I was like, "Dad, what? Hey, hey." No response. He's just like this blank, unblinking stare. And I, I went over and I like smacked him on the face, and I was like, "Hey, hey!" Shaking him, nothing, nothing, zero. And I'm like, "Okay, well, there you go." 
I was about to call my brother, my brother and sister, you know, um, my brother and sister live in, in, in Nashville here, Nashville area. And I was just letting it sink in. I was like, good grief. I just didn't see it. I didn't visualize it happening that quickly, that, that almost a non-event. He just stopped. And about, it's probably five minutes. I don't know. Time's kind of a weird thing in a moment like that, but four or five minutes, I hear this laughing. He, uh, he, he's back. He's laughing. And he has been visiting with his mom and dad. He's one of six boys and his, uh, three of his brothers had already passed. And he had been visiting with his mom and dad and his brothers. And he had a lot to say, a lot to say about heaven. And I was like, okay, okay. So I know it's not drugs. I know he's completely lucid. There's, I mean, he was, he was as sharp as a tack until he went into a coma, you know, on Good Friday appropriately. It was just, it was just bizarre. So I, you know, I, I tell my brother and sister what's happened and, you know, they're kind of like, okay, all right. That happened eight times the last two weeks of his life. And, um, one the, the most dramatic of them, my brother, <laughs> who's, you know, is a, is a, a long, is a lifetime pilot. That's what he does. He's 35 years with Southwest. Uh, he now flies, uh, he, he runs the aviation department for the Williamson County Sheriff's Department. My idiot brother flying around right there second with a nine millimeter in a shoulder holster and he can land anywhere he wants to. This is not a good plan, but it's his plan. Um, <laughs> he's, he's, his nickname is Crash, uh, which does not, uh, you know, generate faith if you're getting in a plane with him. But he, you know, he came up the hard way. He wanted to be a fighter pilot. He couldn't. His eyes weren't good. So he, uh, uh, you know, he came up the hard way. He crop dusted for six years. And he totaled two planes the last year of his life. The second one, uh, I've got a picture of it with him standing there with my dad. He, he wound up 80 feet up in an oak tree, hanging upside down from, from uh, the safety harness with, with chemicals and fuel, you know, leaking all over him. And he decided that he had a guardian angel and he named him. Okay. He didn't tell his wife. He didn't tell me We're as close as brothers get. He lives three houses down from me right now while we're talking. Uh, but he didn't tell anybody. That was between him and God and his angel. Well, he was standing there when Dad went into. I think it was. I think it was his third little heavenly uh, day trip, and it happened. Right? He just stopped, and I looked at my brother. And said, "Okay, that's it. This is. You think you think I'm yanking your chain? He's doing it right now. That's it." He's like, "Really?" I said, "Just wait. Just wait. I'm telling you, just wait." And sure enough, I mean, it had every time it was saying, he came back just laughing. And <laughs> four or five minutes, here he comes. And uh, he he looks over and he sees my brother and he motioned him to come over 
uh, had to kind of lean down to hear his voice. Uh, and my brother got down close to him. He said, I just met Ralph. He told me you've given him fits your whole life, and you need to slow down a little bit. Okay, my brother just buckled <laughs> because he knew that nobody breathing on this planet knew the name of his angel except him. And uh, it was just, we had so many moments like that. It was just such an amazing process. God just gave us an amazing gift. His, as well as he lived, he died better. He just, he went out like a champ. He, he went into a coma, I guess. He, he went to sleep and did not wake up. On Good Friday, my sister, who's a nurse, was uh, made a pallet next to his bed. She's not leaving. And uh, Easter Sunday morning, 2009, right at sunrise, she heard his breathing change, and she crawled up in bed with him. And when that happened, she heard voices in the room above her, the master bedroom directly above. And she, she thought, okay, at least Gary and Cassie are awake. If this is it, I won't have to wake them up. Only we were not. I was in the middle of the best dream I've ever had by far. And in my dream, which played out almost to a T, hour and a half, two hours later, my brother and sister and I are standing outside of, of his living area in the lower level of the house. And we're watching the guys from Harper Hills Memorial Gardens wheel his body out. Weren't saying a word. We're just standing there. And I mean, like, in an instant, he was standing there with us. Only he made me look like I just died of cancer. He was so beautiful. I cannot describe it. I've tried. Every time I tell this story, it's exactly the same. I can't tell you what he looked like. It was just so overwhelmingly beautiful. He was he looked to be 35-ish, uh, just talking 90 miles an hour. And I'm thinking, okay, I really should pay attention to what he's saying because I, I'll bet this is important information. And I couldn't do it. I could not do it. He was, I couldn't take my eyes off of him. I had never seen anything so beautiful. Nothing. He was just ripped and perfect and I can't, again, I can't describe it. And I did not get one word that he said except the last thing. I heard, I heard him say, kids, as much as I did my best to teach you about him, I was right, but I was wrong because there's just so much more. And with that, my phone rang in this world and it was my sister telling me that that moment he had just taken his last breath without question god let him drop by my dream to to give me that gift and the gift for me after walking the aisle in his church when i was six years old I had not robbed a bank. I'm not sure what made me feel guilty. I remember, I remember the sermon. 
there were some there were some virgins that had some oil and some that didn't have some and the ones without it were not in good shape when the door closed and I knew I needed more oil so I walked the aisle and gave my life to Jesus and I have walked that path with varying degrees of well publicized success and failure since then I have believed my whole life that morning that moment I stopped believing and I started knowing. And it is dramatically different. It's very, very different. That my father's death has become the fulcrum point of my life. And I'm, I'm so grateful. I live in that place of gratefulness. And I, 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 don't, I don't know. I don't know how he could have given me any both my Heavenly Father and my Earthly Father, at the same time, gave that to me. And uh, I'll always be grateful. I can't wait to see him. Mm. Well, this is why I had you on, because that's, that's, it's an extraordinary story, Gary, and, and it's a life-changing one, not just for you, but for now everyone who hears it. And I felt like for Father's Day, this would be the conversation that needed to happen. And I am, I am most grateful. I'm most grateful for your friendship and for your encouragement to me personally and um, for sharing your heart with us and your, not just your music, but your heart. Well, I don't, th- those things are too, they're synonymous, aren't they? <laughs> I hope so. <laughs> they are. They are. And uh, we are grateful. This is Gary Chapman. And please, um, please uh, know, Gary, that we're, we're very grateful. This is Hope for the Caregiver. I love this you, is brother. Peter Rosenberger. You too, buddy. We'll see you next time. HopefortheCaregiver.com. We'll have this out on the podcast as well. Please share it with others. We'll see you next time. The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast do not necessarily reflect those of the American Family Association or American Family Radio.